Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of 20 Minute Playbook, where each week we sit down with an elite performer from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors to dive into everything from their daily routine to their favorite books, tools, superpowers, and more, all in less than 20 minutes. I'm Daniel Scrivener, and on the show today, I sit down with Mike Saul, co-founder and CEO of the decentralized lending protocol Goldfinch, which went live on Coinbase and other crypto exchanges on January 11th under the ticker symbol GDFI. Goldfinch is part of the DeFi movement, which aims to displace traditional banks and financial institutions with fairer, decentralized, community-controlled protocols. And when it comes to DeFi, one of the hardest problems to solve has been lending against real-world assets globally. These are things like businesses and real estate in a truly decentralized way, because that problem is incredibly hard to solve. You need to figure out how to vet borrowers from all around the world, how to KYC lenders from every country imaginable, and how to underwrite loans based on the actions of thousands and even millions of users. And this is exactly what Goldfinch has done. They recently closed a second round of financing valuing their network at $400 million, which was led by A16Z, and they've proven they can fill multi-million dollar loans in mere hours instead of days. For more from Mike Saul, you can follow him on Twitter at Saul, that's S-A-L-L. And you can learn more about Goldfinch at goldfinch.finance or by following them on Twitter at goldfinch underscore F-I. For links to everything we discuss in this episode, you can find the full show notes at outlieracademy.com slash 79. Get ready, get set. It's time for 20-Minute Playbook with Mike Saul of Goldfinch. Mike, thanks so much for joining me on 20-Minute Playbook. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. So this will be fun. This is a little bit faster paced. We try to keep these conversations under 20 minutes. And I'm super excited to hear your answer to this first question. The question we ask everyone to kick things off is just for something that you're excited or fascinated about recently. And this can be in crypto. This can be literally anything. Yeah, something that I've been reading lately is Carlota Perez's book, Technological Revolutions. And I kind of saw some tweets about this and she wrote this in 2003, but it's kind of like a theory around how these large technological revolutions happen about every 50 years or so and what are the components that make them happen. And I've just been going down this rabbit hole, completely fascinated by this theory. I'm not the first one to know about this theory or anything like that, but I've just been really interested in it and trying to think about like how does crypto and all the other kinds of technological things we're seeing today fit into this broader multi-century set of trends. I'll ask you one follow-up question of that. Obviously, I get the high-level idea of that book, and it sounds like a book I would love to read. Is there any heuristic or anything you learned reading it about what constitutes a technical revolution, what kicks it off? I don't know, any themes that have shown up so far? I'm still going through the whole book, but from reading it, there are a bunch of different components to it. The big question that I have been thinking through is she describes how usually isn't just one technological innovation, but like multiple major innovations that all combine together into like a whole new wave of changing the way our lifestyles are. And so what I think about it is like, oh, you look at something like crypto and you're like, is that just one of a number of different innovations or does within crypto, does that combine a bunch of different innovations as part of it? So that's the one thing I found pretty interesting is like how to think about the different innovations that are all combining into a broader wave. And then how do you identify when, when those are starting or not? Yeah, super interesting. It's almost like a value chain has to come together, a bunch of things lining up. This is kind of a two side of the coin question. The first part of this is when you think about yourself, and this can be yourself at Goldfinch, this can be yourself just as a human in everyday life. What do you think of as your superpowers? You have a background in data analytics. You have, I think, all these really interesting pieces of your background. Is there something that underlies that? Or is there some thing that you think of as your superpower? 
Yeah, I think for me, this is kind of abstract, but taking ambiguous situations with a lot of pieces and disparate information and forming a coherent story out of it and a coherent way of framing what's happening. And so places where this becomes helpful is when there's a super vague problem and it's like, where do we even start? I feel like a place that I have a strength is like being able to say, here's a way to think about it. Here's a way to frame it all into a coherent sort of line of thinking. And so then here's how we can approach it. Or when there's lots of things happening in the world and with our team, and we want to understand what we're doing, how to tell a coherent story, but here's how all the pieces are fitting together and relate to each other. And so that I would say is like kind of an abstract thing that has applied in different ways, but yeah, taking these sort of disparate informations and making coherent stories out of them. Yeah, that's really powerful. So you can like have a huge number of data points and triangulate between those and be able to tell what's important and what's not and how to string it together. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side, what do you feel like you've struggled with and how have you improved or worked around those things over time? Yeah, a thing that I've always struggled with is I am an extremely shy person in a way that's like, it can be a problem sometimes when I need to like go introduce myself to someone or something like that. I'm just like super shy about it. And what I've learned is that the way to get better at it for me is just get more familiar with the different kinds of situations and have more of a a way to handle them. So I remember way back when I was first a manager and I first needed to be interviewing other people, like hiring other people. Like the very first time I interviewed someone else was just like terrible. I was like too shy to interview the person who was applying for a job. But then, I don't know, I have to like force myself into those situations. And then once I did a whole bunch of interviews, it became more familiar and it was something that I was more used to. And so that's how I've dealt with it is force myself into these uncomfortable situations so that I get more practice and more familiar with it. Yeah. So it sounds like that's something that you acknowledge is probably always going to be there. And it's just how do you overcome that little one step at a time? I think so. Changing kind of the perspective of like not doing something despite the fact that it's uncomfortable, but like because it's uncomfortable, because that's the only way to learn. So yeah, I think it'll always be there. It's powerful. When you think about habits and routines, do you have a daily set of habits that you follow? And if you don't, then a second way you could approach this is just habits that you've tried that have had an impact and you just try to incorporate whenever you can. Because I think part of the behind this question is, I think it's really interesting to ask this. I don't want to assume that everyone is this insane person with a day that's mapped out every single day at 4 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have too many habits, but the one that I've done consistently for a while is always locking off an hour in the morning for breakfast and reading, reading news or even like reading books or novels or things like that. And that started like a while back when I was working a lot. It almost felt like I was just like working until I went to bed and then getting up and like working right away and I was getting super burnt out. And then since then, I've just made sure I always have a big chunk of time in the morning to kind of focus and do like non-work related things. And that has been really helpful for me. I want to ask a second question, which is, and there may not be anything here. We haven't talked about this before, but I figured I would ask it. So you've been a founder multiple times before. You're a co-founder of Goldfinch right now, which is a protocol that's had a lot of success already. One of the things that I feel like I've learned in those situations is you kind of learn to live with a different level of stress and pressure. Do you have any techniques that you use to deal with stress and pressure? <laughs> I think usually what I find to be the most helpful thing with stress and pressure is talking to other people about it. Like just being able to like talk about it helps me sort of put it in perspective. And so it's great now with my co-founder, we can talk about those things and that alone helps. So that's one thing. And then I think the other thing 
for me that is important is just like sleep <laughs> getting more sleep tends to help with that kind of a thing and making sure that like the stress doesn't lead me to say like stay up later and like not actually get as much sleep so just making sure i protect that time as well yeah that makes sense on the fitness side do you have an approach or a methodology or anything you use we just talked about sleep a little bit but just diet exercise and sleep anything that's interesting there that's worth sharing with others i don't really I don't really have specific diet and exercise approaches, but I'm very careful about the sleep part. That is like the more important part to me. Yes. Sleep and the hour for breakfast, <laughs> the hour to set aside to decompress in the morning. Yeah. Both super critical for me. Yeah. We talked about that technical revolution book. Last two questions. Feel free to answer whatever one makes the most sense to you. Is there books that have had a big impact on your life that are worth sharing? And, you know, some of these that I think about is like Ray Dalio Principles, I feel like is super formative for me. That's a book I think about all the time. I kind of always reference. Is there anything for you there? Any book that's like informed a big part of how you approach life or work? Yeah, that's interesting. I actually love principles as well. There are parts of it I agree with, there are parts of it I don't agree with, but it did definitely make me rethink about a lot of things. Another book that I've been reading recently is Anti-Fragile has also changed my perspective on things. And I mentioned Carlota Perez before, and there's kind of an interesting juxtaposition between the two because Carlota Perez is kind of like building these narratives about the world and how things kind of recur. And then Anti-Fragile is kind of like, not about the narratives, just like focus on doing things and just learning what happens and things are random and stuff like that. And so that has helped me like rethink how things happen and how things work. And then it's also kind of like this interesting juxtaposition to that other book. Yeah, super fascinating. It's actually funny. I've been listening to Antifragile as that's the audiobook that's like on loop right now in my car whenever I'm driving. And it's great. I feel like Nassim Taleb, he gets a lot of flack. He also gets a lot of love. But I think my take is things like Antifragile. I just don't know who else would write that book. Who else would think that idea is important enough to write an entire book on? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's just ways of thinking about the world that I've never considered before, too. It's just like, yeah, eye opening. On the software tool side, do you use any specific tools to manage work tasks and time? I think I use the typical tools that a lot of folks use like Gmail and Notion. But I did recently discover in the past year the snooze function on Gmail, which has been amazing. I, like, and now I've become like an avid snooze function user, which really changed sort of my experience with email and and for people that haven't used that, that's basically, I'm going to try to, an attempt to explain it and then you can correct or add back. But basically you're saying like, I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to have this email resurface at X time in the future. Yes. It's because I use email basically as a to-do list. And so there might be something and I'm like, I know I'm going to do that next week. And then just being able to put it out of mind and let it just show up again next week is very helpful for just like helping me focus on what I actually need to focus on. I've also found it's like the world's best cheat for actually getting to inbox zero because <laughs> inbox zero, at least for me, doesn't mean everything's been answered, but it means like I've kind of dealt with everything for now and it could maybe come back in the future. On the personal growth side, one of my favorite questions to ask is if you have a favorite failure and the kind of idea behind this question is trying one, I think to just openly talk about failure. But then the second piece is, you know, something that I've found just talking to a lot of successful people is they've had a lot of failures and a lot of those failures have propelled them in the direction that they've ended up having a lot of success in. When I ask that question, is there any failure that comes to mind? Well, I mean, as I mentioned before, I've tried starting a number of companies and they were all failures, but there's one that I think of that I had tried. I was 
looking to build an art subscription at the time and I just wasn't able to get it off the ground like at all. I was trying to raise money. I couldn't raise money. I was trying to get lots of customers and I couldn't. And so at the time I felt like I had put myself out there telling everyone I was doing this thing and then it didn't work. And I was like pretty embarrassed after it didn't work. I like didn't want to talk about it when I was like interviewing at jobs afterwards or something like that. I didn't like want to go into this thing that I had just done that didn't work out, but it did help me learn a lot about how to think about like what needs to be in place to start a business and what like what do I care about when I'm working on a business and what I need to do differently next time. So that is like one that stands out to me that really changed the way I approached things like Goldfinch that we're doing now. I want to ask a follow-up question, which is going through those experiences and having, you know, a number of attempts that just don't work for whatever reason, did that desensitize you to failure, meaning make it so you were willing to take another swing being less scared? Or did that make it much more like, no, now I'm learning something each point in time. I'm figuring out what this bar is. I would not say that it desensitized me. It's still hard every time. And when something isn't going well, it still feels like a similar struggle for me at least, but I feel like I did learn more. I learned about more boxes that I want to check off or like more things I should be doing in advance. Like for example, I was just not doing enough market research before that art subscription. So just spent a lot more time doing that this time around and then it, it helped. So I view it as more just like iterating on what makes things work out better compared to before. But like when things aren't working out, it's still super stressful. I don't think I'm desensitized to it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the opposite of desensitizing is like stigmatizing. (laughs) Like failure is absolutely stigmatizing. It's like it becomes a thing. No one wants that. No one enjoys that. On the flip side, just to ask a question, I guess, around success, do you have a definition of success? Or for you, I guess, how do you think about that and contextualize that? Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I guess where I think of success as being kind of achieving your goals relative to whatever your personal goals are. For me, My goals tend to be like, I just really like building things. And my goals are to build something that is meaningful and has impact on other people. And so seeing something that I've built have that is what success would mean for me. Super interesting. Last question. What are you most grateful for in this phase of your life? Right now, I would say I'm most grateful for the people that I get to spend time with. So my family and my friends and my coworkers. I'm grateful that the things that I do involve spending time with these people who I like to spend time with. You've done a good job of cultivating, I think, a lot of those people in your life. And the team at Goldfinch is world-class. I'm not surprised by that. People, if they're interested, I know they can follow you on Twitter at Saul, S-A-L-L. Do you have a personal site anywhere else online? Not really. No, mainly Twitter. Yeah. Okay. So Twitter and then the other place, obviously, and we talk about this in depth in the Infinite Games interview, but Mike is the co-founder of Goldfinch Protocol. It's a protocol that's launching in early 2022, and you can find out more information about that at goldfinch.finance. Thank you so much for the time, Mike. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you. This is great. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to everything we discussed, as well as the full show notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 79. For more from Mike Saul, listen to his Infinite Games episode number 76, where we go deep into what he's built at Goldfinch, which is the world's first truly decentralized global lending protocol. In that conversation, we get into exactly how they've solved this problem, how the protocol works, why it's important, and what it unlocks in an increasingly interconnected financial world. You can find more incredible interviews with the founders of Superhuman, Levels, Rally, Common Stock, and Primal Kitchen, as well as best-selling authors and the world's smartest investors at outlieracademy.com. You can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. 
On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length interviews as well as short clips from every single episode, including this one. From our entire team at Outlier Academy, we hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope to see you right here next week on 20 Minute Playbook.